0: Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ Lafira. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a belly-up sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing?
2: Doing all right. Uh, kind of a not-so-nice weather day here in Syracuse in the 30s, actually, right now. Um, not not the best. Some rain. Um, but... You know, we had some great games last night. Certainly not the Yankees game. Um, that was a four and a half hours that I wish I could I could get back. Uh, but overall, uh, you know, a lot to talk about still. LJ and I always find stuff to talk about. <laughs> um, so we might as well just get right into it, as um, we have some some interesting topics today.
0: Yeah, let's start off with the best worst decision in baseball this year. We start right there.
2: Yeah, so Joe Madden, um so basically it's the fourth inning of a pretty meaningless game in April. And your team is losing. Like you're literally you're you're losing by a run and the bases are loaded. And Corey Seager is at the plate, and you choose to intentionally walk him. Um, You know, (laughs) we've seen the bases loaded intentional walks, you know, a few times. Mostly, they come when it's the ninth inning, you're up by three or four runs, and there's a power hitter at the plate, and you would prefer to just, instead of the potential of allowing a grand slam, just walk them, give up that run, and then move on. Um, This is by far the first time I've ever seen it issued by a team that was losing and just in the middle of the fourth inning, uh, especially in a game that doesn't matter. uh, Just very confused. This is a classic example of Joe Madden. Um, trying to be the smartest guy in the room, similar to Brian Cashman, Uh, just doing unnecessary things to try to look like the smartest person and trying to outsmart everybody when in actuality you can just just do normal things and it will probably work out just fine. The best part of all this is that the the Rangers still score three runs um, in the inning. So instead of giving up a potential four runs, which is what you're so nervous about, you give up three. LJ, was this, I guess, a few questions. First, your overall take on it, and was it worth it? The one less run?
0: Um, let me, uh, let me play both sides here. First off, if you just look at this in an isolated scenario, this is absolutely ridiculous. It's Corey Seeker. The guy is very good. Very great, good baseball player. Great baseball player. He isn't to the caliber of these other guys that we've seen intentionally walked at the bases loaded. The last two times before that, MVP Josh Hamilton and Barry Bonds. That is a dis- blatant disrespect to Josh Hamilton, and it's a blatant disrespect to Barry Bonds that Corey Seeger is now in that group right now. He hasn't proven me anything else to put him into that category. Now, to play the Joe Madden apologist here, seeing we're certainly not going to get that from Brandon. It wasn't the worst move when you think about think things through. This was the best hitter remaining in that lineup, bases loaded, and he basically looked at it this way: All right, Corey Seager could easily take me deep here, make this a four or I'm sorry, a five run lead, and that's going to be incredibly hard to get out of. Or I can walk him, pitch to the next batter, trust in my offense to get those two runs back because I know that this Texas bullpen isn't going to be able to do a thing. Brandon, who exactly in this Texas Rangers bullpen do you trust?
2: Uh, Albert Abreu just because I loved him on the Yankees, but that's about it.
0: (laughs) You're giving me one middle reliever that you trust on this team. That is not going to be able to keep them in this game. That's not going to be able to keep a two-run lead over an extended period of time. He knew he was going to be able to make up those two runs on the other end. He wasn't sure he could make up four runs. They ended up doing it. I mean, they win the game. So I don't hate this move.
2: I I, I hate it. Uh, it. It it's pretty. It's, it's just dumb. Um, because so you so you walk Corey Seager and then Mitch Garver comes up who
0: does absolutely nothing for my fantasy team.
2: <laughs> okay, but still had a season where he had like 30 home runs and less than 100 games played. The dude is a power hitter. So it's like, okay, so you walk. If you really like this matchup with Mitch Garver that you had, then like, sure, I I can maybe understand it. Mitch Garver then steps up and he hits a ball that I, I want to pull up the exit velocity because he got a hold of this one um
0: well brandon for my own logic's sake i would like you to ignore mitch (laughs) garver
2: lj pretend he doesn't
0: exist for joe madden's sake
2: lj mitch garver steps up and hits a 99 mile an hour sack fly that goes 379 feet i mean he almost hits a grand slam himself uh and look The Angels end up winning this game, which I guess is the most important thing here thanks to a huge top of the fifth inning that they had and thanks to Otani finally stepping up here. But this might be the first time in baseball history that a team has scored three runs on an intentional walk with the bases loaded, a sack fly, and then a balk. I I don't think I've ever seen that before
0: look again m- my defense logic was very loose here <laughs> please don't push push me much farther i'm not saying this is the best idea i'm just saying i don't hate it
2: <laughs> and the fact that they won does make it a little bit more justifiable but can we agree the only manager that would attempt to do something like this is is Joe Madden
0: um this yes something like this no i think you look at some of these analytical managers, they're willing to try some pretty crazy stuff. Nothing like this, though. This, they'd think, is absolutely suicide.
2: Kevin Cash. Uh, there's the other Kevin one that came to yeah.
0: Kevin Cash would have a stroke. Sadly, <laughs> <he's not done.
2: laughs> Yo, yeah, no, the Rays, the Rays front office, LJ, especially when, it, as, as they say, a quote that I, I just absolutely hate, but they said... It's about getting outs and runs. And that's it. That's how they look at the game. There's no, you know, they take all the human element out of the game. Um You know, good for Joe Madden, though, that it, in in theory it does end up working out. Nice to see Otani uh hit two home runs. He's starting to um you know, his first two homers of the year. Joe Adele goes deep also, so Angels oh, are speaking
0: of that, have you seen the You've seen the second Otani home run, right? Yeah. Absolute nuke.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, the
0: worst part about it is the uh, Valley sports cameras got to do a better job of getting those bat flips in there. Because apparently he had an epic bat flip at the end of it that no one got to see. This is another part of making baseball better, making the product better, is actually getting to see these guys do these celebrations and all this fun stuff. The asian bat flip culture is one of the best parts of baseball and if you're not fully embracing it if you're not fully embracing a guy who's doing it what, what are we doing where are we and the same thing goes to for um spencer torkelson's home run last night absolute bomb
2: yeah the, uh, for otani's homer the second one uh lj Statcast says 108 miles an hour off the bat at a 35-degree launch angle. Whew. It's just just a moonshot. And look, it only goes 415 feet. But this ball was literally hit to the moon. It was hit so high in the air. It
1: was hit so
0: high. Honestly, high? Which do you rather see? The high or the far? Or the straight? Honestly, I don't know what I like the most.
2: The way like Stanton hits homers, where it's just absolute line drive over
0: the uh short porch no i'm not meaning i didn't mean to do it that just dis- i mean to say that that disrespectfully what i'm trying to say is it was a really cool home run in that opening series that he had where it just like almost went straight off the bat out of the park but at the same time really shouldn't have been a home run it should have been a really cool double and but either way i think those are kind of pleasing to watch
2: Oh, yeah, no, I love the Stan homers where you literally blink and the ball's already out of out of the park. Uh, and to the point for all, I'm going to just say this now so I don't have to say it for the rest of the season, for all the people that want to say the Yankees play in, you know, uh, Little League Park or whatever, we also have to pitch in that park 81 times a year. So we're not only just... just Trust me, Garrett Cole knows. Oh, yeah, he knows. Uh, opening day was... As as much as you want to hate on the Stanton homer on opening day, a few of the ones that Cole gave up, uh, you know, that, that or that he has he that he has allowed um, there at Yankee Stadium are not not the friendliest. Um, but all
0: the more reason not to go to New York. I do have a uh, hypothetical for you here, Brandon. Ooh, okay. Uh, move us away from the piss missile conversation that we just went through because that's really what all of those were: Otani, Stanton. Torkelson, all piss missiles, every last one of them. But um, let's say this doesn't work out. Let's say this blows up in the Angels' face. Mitch Garver goes deep, and they never make. They never get this lead back. Where do you think the Angels stand on Joe Madden? Because that is as close as you can get. If you're on the hot seat, that is a fireable offense. But it doesn't feel like he's enough on the hot seat. I don't. I don't think like that is that enough to put you on the hot seat
2: no but it's certainly um no no, it's not because this game and the context of this the in the entire season will more than likely mean nothing um it's the middle of April that
0: doesn't mean that people don't overreact to things
2: oh LJ I mean I think me and you having a daily show. Part of the show is me and you overreacting to stuff every single day. Um, but you know, I don't know if it would put him on the hot seat, but it would be getting warmer. Um, you know, a little warmer. He's he's certainly
0: the way I see it. I think he goes immediately out of the hot seat. You have Trout, Otani, and Rendon, and you go back to back seasons, eight games under five hundred for Joe Ben, this is not the production from the team that they have expected when they brought him in there. And so at the end of the day, his window in LA is closing very quickly. I think at this point, you add in the fact that he just made possibly the dumbest decision in baseball in the last three years. Like at some point that's going to come crashing down on you. And you think about how much, uh, whether it's MLB network, ESPN, Twitter, everyone has been criticizing him for making this move even though they did win if they had lost everyone goes bigger on it and i think his his favor among angels fans what little, what little is left in addition to the rest of the league really suffers and when that suffers it kind of has to, his favor kind of has to suffer within the front office because if everyone else is thinking it it's got to be at least a semi valid opinion
2: Absolutely. Well, it's a good point there. But LJ, um, me and you each kind of have a a pitcher that we wanted to talk about who was dealing yesterday. You wanted to touch on Chris Bassett, and then I'm going to talk about uh, Carlos Rodon. So LJ, tell me what what a Chris Bassett's been doing.
0: Chris Bassett, again, putting on an absolute show, he comes out for his second outing of the year. Of course, we talked about I really... I took Kershaw for my team of the week. I regretted every second of it after I took him because it really should have been Chris Bassett's. He ends up with 16 good pieces of pitching in his, first, um, in his first outing. So that's a good piece of pitching is either in a bat resulting in a weak hit. So 80 miles an hour or less, or a strikeout. He had 16 of those in his outing. That's a ridiculous clip. Shane Bieber is tied with him for first, and he's had two starts to get to that point. He then comes out for his second start here now. Six innings, two hits, one earned, six strikeouts. So he's at least up to 22 good pieces of pitching in two starts on the year, averaging 11 per game. That's without looking at any of the contact stats because I haven't got a chance to look at them, and the leaderboard isn't updated yet. But this is a terrific, tremendous start for Chris Bassett. I don't know how you could have any better start to the season than what he has had right now, unless you're Jacob DeGrom.
2: Yeah. And, you know, you look at who the Mets have played in their six and two right now, best record in the league, best run differential in the league. They're doing what they're supposed to do. You know, like I'm not going to hate on a team for taking care of business. Uh, Arizona, though, LJ, have you seen some of their team? stats for their for the, for their hitting. Have you seen no, this? No. As a team, they're hitting 135 this year. Last in the MLB. That's okay. Okay, hold on. Wait, it gets better. Surprisingly, they have a higher on base percentage than the Astros, Red Sox, Reds, and Royals. Okay. But slugging percentage is horrific 250 slugging percentage as a team as a team LJ and then you go to the OPS 532 ranks dead last in the league as of yesterday they're the only player hitting above the Mendoza line that was in their starting lineup was Seth Beer who's hitting 294 after yesterday's game we'd
0: love to see it we'd love to see that
2: not a single other player in this lineup is hitting above 167. It is unbelievable how bad they've been on offense. And the fact that they're still 2 and 5 is 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 shocking. LJ, a 135 batting average. How is that, how is that a major league team? And look, they've run into some tough teams to start. I mean, the pa- yeah, they played the Padres the first series. And now they have the Mets. Um,
0: it's getting worse. They only have a four-game reprieve with Washington. Then they're home for the Mets and the Dodgers.
2: Oh, poor Arizona. If you're a Diamondbacks fan, I don't. I don't know. I don't even know at this point what you want yeah, to do.
0: I don't know what to say. Like. It just feels so far away. Enjoy Seth Beer. That's all we can say.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Maybe maybe if you're a Cattell Marte fan, enjoy him too.
2: Yeah, I like Cattell Marte. He's got to pick it up, though. Um, But, you know, Chris Bassett's certainly looking good along with the Mets. But Carlos Rodon, um, the Giants are looking like geniuses with this this pickup. They get him on one-year contract, right? And... He goes out yesterday, seven innings, two hits, one earned run, and nine strikeouts. Uh, He now leads the MLB with 21 strikeouts through 12 innings pitched. Uh, He was shutting down the Guardians, who have had a really good offense this year. You guys look at guys like Myles Straw, of course, Stephen Kwan, and Jose Ramirez have been really good. But even a guy like uh, Owen Miller, who's still hitting above 500, he's hitting 522. Uh, this has been one of the best offenses in the league. And Carlos Rodon made them look silly, uh, all day yesterday. And LJ, this is a guy that was strongly in the Cy Young contention for most of last year before he gets hurt.
0: Yeah. And health was really the only thing holding him back in free agency, which I don't understand. How many other guys have people been willing to overlook the health stuff? to give these guys a longer deal, keep them around longer. There's no reason other than he wanting him wanting a one-year deal that he should have been going anywhere on one year or even a one-year opt-out type deal. He's the type of guy that should be getting at least three or four years if you're looking to do short-term. This has been a fantastic start of the season, a fantastic pickup for the Giants. And you're right, it's working out exactly how they played it. You, people were worried about the health. You're worried about the being able to go deep in games and still succeed granted we don't have any proof that that's going to continue the full season he's going to be able to get um 30 starts like this but i think it's a really solid start compared to what he was doing last year the fact that he's still hitting 98 99 in the sixth and seventh innings yesterday
2: yeah uh and you know for a guy that pretty much came out of nowhere last year uh and at least at this kind of level of play it's really nice to see him you know pick things up right where he he left them off and the guardians i i just looked it up they still have the most runs in the league this year uh, and they've played seven games the mets have played eight games and the mets have 44 runs the guardians at 46 so still if you want to say the best offense uh so far this year you could certainly make a case for that Very well. but um Yeah, very good start for Carlos Rodon, Uh, and then Camilo Doval, uh, he's going to be really good. Uh, You know, we saw him in the playoffs last year close things out for the Giants a few times. He's stepping in very nicely as their closer this year. Uh, The ERA, yeah, it is above five, but I don't like to look at reliever ERA. I like to more look at how many outings you have where you have scoreless, um, or where you are scoreless, and... He's he's certainly checking those boxes. Uh, he's he's nasty. He's only like 24, 25. He's going to be one of the better relievers here uh, this year. Yeah, he's 24 years old. Dude throws like 101. Uh, he's, he's, he's filthy.
0: And as for why that really matters, you're looking for the scoreless because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many runs they give up if they give up runs. Any good reliever is probably going into a one or two run situation. So if you're in those high leverage moments, if you're even giving up a run, it's a failure of an outing. It's not like starters where, you know, three three earned over five or six innings. That's really good work. It's a completely different mindset. It's a completely different um, set of logic. The only other spot I wanted to touch on in terms of notable performances, the St. Louis lineup, really anyone who goes up against Freddie Peralta right now, this is back-to-back bad ones for Freddie. Three innings, seven hits, six earned, with two walks on his night yesterday. Brandon, when are they turning this around, this group?
2: LJ, I, I don't know what's going on with this this Brewers pitching staff. Uh, sure, a Corbin Burns bounced back. He had a good start the other day, but this is this is strange to me. Um, what the Brewers have done this year. It's, I just don't know where they go from here. Freddy Peralta, just not looking like himself whatsoever. Uh, and this is a guy that, you know, we were expecting to take another step up this year. He's only 25. Last year, he was really, really good. Uh, probably overlooked a lot just because of who his two teammates are and Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Uh the dude struck out 195 batters last year in 144 innings uh and he just I don't know what's what's up with him this year. The, he's he's getting hit around a lot. He's having trouble finding his spots. He's averaging almost one walk per inning. Uh just super super strange uh to see a guy just get off to this bad start. And look, I know the Cardinals have a pretty loaded starting lineup, but Uh, I was not expecting him to give up six runs in the first two innings. That's That's just not something I'm used to seeing out of him.
0: No, and really the answer as to where they go from here is they don't go anywhere. Like, this team is built around this pitching staff, and I still, even though they haven't shown it, I trust the talent here. It's just a matter of will they be able to get right in enough time with such a loaded National League. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened in that NL central where there's plenty of good teams, but there's no team that I think really is consistent. I don't think St. Louis is they're good, but they're not that good. Like they're not going to run away with this division no matter what. So there's plenty of room for the Brewers to go 500, go maybe a little bit before below 500 in the first half and then really pick things up in the summer. That's something I wouldn't, feel uncomfortable with
2: well lj should we wrap things up today we got about six minutes uh wrap things up uh with some injury talk
0: yeah let's go ahead for that brandon who do we want to start with we want to start with the one from boston yesterday
2: sure uh byron buxton and was it the red sox home opener yesterday or thursday
0: why am i blanking on this I'm 90% sure it was
2: Thursday. Thursday, yeah, against the Twins. Um, Yes, okay. Uh, Anyways, Byron Buxton – no, it was – yes, okay. I, I can't do math. Sorry, it was Thursday. Um, Byron Buxton leaves the game with an injury, and what perfect timing, because the episode that we released yesterday, one of the questions that LJ asks uh, Kevin Wilson, if you haven't listened to it, go and check it out. Great talk about fantasy baseball. One of the questions LJ asks is like, how do you approach guys like Byron Buxton and Mike Trout who kind of have an injury history? What do you know? Byron Buxton sliding into second base yesterday, uh, hurts something in his right knee, does undergo an MRI. There is no structural damage to the knee, which is really good. But uh, LJ, you you had something that you said earlier about about Byron Buxton that I, I thought was really good
0: um yeah so well first off when i was watching the video didn't get a chance to see it live seeing i'm home but the first thing i thought was acl and that scared the crap out of me because this guy's first too good to have any sort of like more structural knee damage than anyone could ask for like he's too explosive he's too fast this is part of what makes him so great is being able to do that stuff and that would definitely hinder it the reason that I was thinking that first off the fact that he was able to walk was a decent sign. Cause the ACL is the lateral movement. Um, CL, I guess to say it. Um, yeah. And also the way he knew right away is that's usually with the type of injury that it's like, you know, right away, you can feel it. You can hear it sometimes when it basically bursts. So that was my first thought and I'm very thankful it's not, but, He's going to be the greatest what-if of our generation. Maybe him or DeGrom. No, it's him. It's him. Because you're talking about Mike Trout-level talent that hasn't been able to stay on the field his entire career. There is no position player that gets hurt doing the rudimentary parts of his game as often as Byron Buxton. Like, sliding into second base is a very normal thing for any baseball player, any position player to be doing, especially a speedy center fielder like him. That's a perfectly normal thing to do. It doesn't happen nearly as much to any other position player as it does to him. It's like a pitcher. He's he's getting hurt as frequently as a pitcher that's body's too mature for its own good. Like the muscles are too big for its ligaments. That's, you know, the same thing we're probably seeing with Jacob deGrom right now. That's kind of normal for pitchers. It's not for position players. What's going on here?
2: Yeah, and, you know, I love that, you bring up that he is the the greatest what-if because the production that we've seen out of him when healthy rivals that of anybody in the league. Is, is that wrong to say?
0: Yeah, again, I, I, I would not throw those words around, but Mike Trout-level production feels valid right now.
2: Four and a half war through 61 games last year. That's... that's insane number
0: 61 games it's i want to say it was nine or ten war in his last 162
2: (laughs) it is unbelievable what he's able to do when he's healthy by far one of the most dynamic players in the league already off to a great start this year rocking an ops plus of 201 uh and will be missed He will be missed, but it looks like, um, since there is no structural damage, uh, it might only be like a 10-day IL stint, um, and that would be best-case scenario here. It looks like that's what's going to happen, but that's still 10 days. His bat will be greatly missed uh, in this Twins lineup, bat and in the field. We can't forget about how, how good he is in center field.
0: And the other thing I want to bring up here, I know you're not the biggest market, but if you're able to pay Carlos Correa, if you're able to pay Byron Buxton, why haven't they invested in a better fourth outfield option? Like I feel like if I'm if I was running the Minnesota Twins, that was like my number one priority after getting Carlos Correa was getting a really good outfielder. Maybe just throwing it out there. Michael Conforto toss him onto this roster just because I think knowing that Byron Buxton's probably not going to stay healthy, even if it isn't a direct center field for center field swap that you're looking at getting another quality bat that you can have off the bench or moving one of your other quality bats to the bench would go a long way for this team. It, that feels like an investment that needs to be made. It's a lot like um, the Minnesota Vikings with, uh, is that Alexander Madison? Yeah, yeah.
2: backup Again, running back, yes. Yeah.
0: They invest, they found a really good running back, backup running back that fits well with their scheme, and it feels like every year for at least some point in time, Dalvin Cook is hurt, and he comes in and he doesn't miss a beat. It's that type of investment that the Minnesota Twins really need to make at this point.
2: Well, a few other guys that we wanted to touch on. Uh, LJ, s- something was going on with John Means and Casey Mize?
0: Yeah, John Means was... Excuse me, I lost the uh, page I had it on. But John Means was a sprain in his left elbow. He's been placed on the 10-day IL. Um, It was something very similar, either a strain or a sprain for Casey Mize. Excuse me, I'm trying to pull it up right now. Um, Yeah, sprained
2: uh, elbow for Mize.
0: Sprained elbow for Mize and a strain. It was a sprain and a strain. (laughs) A strain for me and sprain for Mize. Of course, the sprain will probably take a little longer to get back from, but it sounds like it'll be both for a little bit longer than the 10 days is what at least it has been made present to us so far is that it'll most likely be longer than that. Tough blow for John Means in Baltimore because that team already struggled to find established starting pitching. And then with Casey Mize, I'm almost kind of glad because this was a tough – couple of games to see him play. I mean 10 innings, 6 earned, only four strikeouts. You look at those numbers and you look at what he did in his really his first full season. That's not the same guy.
2: Yeah, you have to wonder well, if if he was already uh, dealing with this injury uh, already this year. That's
0: what I'd be willing to bet because again it was just such uncharacteristic numbers.
2: Yeah, uh you know, I would argue that the Orioles if they pitch a Jordan Lyles, I mean last night he did his best uh, Jacob deGrom impression against the Yankees. If they if 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 they get to face this this uh 2022 Yankees lineup, uh any pitcher can look pretty pretty relevant. <laughs> um especially some of these guys coming out of the bullpen, but yes, you're right. Um there is, you know, it's a big blow for both teams. It's both of their respective aces uh on their rosters and Hopefully, uh, you know, a quick comeback, especially for a guy like a Casey Mize, who you can see the potential there. And you can see he's so close to just breaking through and really becoming a superstar. LJ and I will still argue he should have been in the All-Star game last year. Uh, Just absolute travesty that he wasn't. Uh, But hopefully he can get back because this Tigers team is actually pretty fun to watch. Uh, They've got They've actually pitched pretty good so far. Erod uh is not looking the greatest, but he he's it's the most Ed- Eduardo Rodriguez stat line I think you I've ever seen uh to start the season. Tariq Skubal, Not bad. And then Matt Manning. Uh the one start he made, I think he six innings only allowing like one run and one hit, uh, looked really, really good also. So this is a Tigers rotation that when Mize is back fully healthy, uh, can be really good.
0: Yeah, he star- uh, Matt Manning starts today. This this team's a project. I I think realistically they're probably the second or third best team in this division. Not having Terry Francona as your manager does kind of make the difference there between um, the Indians, or excuse me, the Guardians and the Tigers for me. But. Yeah, they're going to be really good in the next year or two. It's all about getting development, getting comfortable. If you can get those three comfortable, if you can continue to develop and get Erod right, because look, the majority of the time, his peripheral stats look really good. Honestly, Eduardo Rodriguez was one of the unluckiest guys in the league last season. This is an unlucky stat line. This is just bad pitching for him. Having watched him now twice, this is just bad pitching. And he'll get out of that. And so at some point, you're going to feel really good about this rotation you've got there. As for Baltimore, I don't, because keep in mind, this is John Means now. They also lost Dean Kremer of Kremer, the Kremer's shaken fame. They lost him, I believe it was the eighth of, yeah, so right at the start of the season, they end up having to put him on the IL. Brandon, where does this team look for more starting pitching at this point?
2: Matt it's Harvey matt harvey (laughs) bring him back uh one quick note on the tigers and then we'll get out of here michael Fomer, michael Fomer, geez uh them putting him in the bullpen was the best thing that's ever happened uh 2021 he was really good to start 2022 out of the bullpen uh also really really good Uh, he's got five strikeouts in four innings only allowed one hit no runs no walks uh this guy, I think, was just—he was just a destined to be a guy out of the bullpen in late innings. Um, and I know he does win Rookie of the Year and was getting Cy Young votes in in, in his his rookie season. But uh, you watch him out of the the bullpen, you can tell that when he can put all his energy into one inning, he's really good. And this was one of the moves where maybe we could see a guy like like Michael Kopech. Potentially fill a role like this, where you know injuries have certainly gotten to him. I know he's been starting this year, but we saw him out of the bullpen last year, and he was pretty good. There's a lot of different guys that I feel like could uh, really benefit from a role like that. LJ shaking his head.
0: Disrespect. Look, it's the right move for Michael Fulmer. I 100% agree on this take. I disagree on the Kopech take. When he wins his third Cy Young, I'm going to give you so much crap about this. So much.
2: Okay, then. Hot take. Michael Kopak is winning three Cy Youngs, uh, and he's 26 right now. So hopefully he gets one soon, or he might be another Max Scherzer where we finally see him start to, to dominate in, the 30, in his 30s. Um, but other than that, LJ, uh, are we good for today?
0: I think we're all, set.
2: all right. Well, that's gonna do it for today's show. Thank you all for listening. Check us out Instagram, TikTok, Twitter at MLB Daily Pod, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good weekend. See ya.
1: dinner.